praise God that we have gone through uh, 10 chapters and close through the 11th chapter. And I appreciate your patience for listening through these months. And I think uh, I started the book of Hebrews in uh, last year in July. So it has taken more than a year to preach through the book of Hebrews, which is one of the toughest books. And praise God for giving us uh, uh, great perseverance to go through and learn some wonderful lessons. And in chapter 11, for a couple of months, I have been preaching in detail through the heroes of faith. And the only people that we have seen in detail mentioned in chapter 11 were Abraham and Moses. And uh, we have gone through how much uh, these people have had faith in God and how we must also be encouraged to develop this kind of faith in our own Christian living. And as I go ahead and uh, expound the scripture for you, I would like to read from Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, because uh, some of you may be tired of listening to the word of faith uh, for so many months, but I would like to remind you what 2 Peter chapter 1, verse, 20, verse 12 and 13 says here. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them. He's not teaching something that is new. Peter says that though you know them and are established in the truths that you have. Maybe to phrase this in our context as we have been listening to the topic on faith. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of faith. Though you know them and are established in the truths that you have. And I love what he says in verse 13. I think it is right as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. I want to stir you up. I want to provoke your mind. I want to evoke your emotions. I want to challenge your heart and revive your heart as I do this by the way of reminder. So that's my goal, brothers and sisters. I'm not here just to preach and inform your minds, but to stir you up so that we would live a life of faith in our Christian living. So far, we have seen the faith of Abel. Can somebody say, who else did we cover? Abel, Noah, Enoch, and Abraham, Moses, Sarah, all these people we have seen. And today... We will be going through the miscellaneous figures also that are mentioned. We don't see in detail, but one aspect of faith that we see in every person. You know what is interesting? When you go through these men and women, you also see that these people were men and women of weakness. If you read the Old Testament, and in order for you to understand the book of Hebrews, it is necessary that you have a good grip over the Old Testament. Without the knowledge of the Old Testament, you cannot understand the book of Hebrews. Now here is a question that I would like to give you because I see a lot of people are excited to read the New Testament but greatly ignore the Old Testament. And if you are among them, I would like to exhort you this morning, please don't neglect the Old Testament. Read it. There are many Christians in the churches today, except Psalms and Proverbs, they have never read through the entire Old Testament. If you are one among them, please do take it as a challenge and make sure that you read through the Old Testament. And when we read through the Old Testament, we realize that these men also were men of weaknesses. But the author here is not pointing out to their weaknesses, but only to one aspect of their life, which is their faith. And uh, some of you were asking me that I have uh, missed uh, Isaac and Jacob, but I would like to even mention them today. And as I'm going through briefly, the heroes of faith mentioned as we come to the end and climax of this chapter. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 20 says here that by faith Isaac 
invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. We see that this is a reference to Genesis chapter 27 and 27 to 40. It doesn't mention anything about uh, Jacob attempting to deceive Isaac in order to rob the firstborn blessings. And then later Esau comes and he receives the secondary blessings. But whatever has happened there, the author says that when Isaac has blessed, invoked blessings upon Jacob and Esau, he did so by faith. And interestingly, if you read whatever he has prayed for Isaac and Esau, those were fulfilled throughout the history of Israel. It's very interesting to see how God remembered the blessings of the patriarchs and fulfilled them by his grace and mercy. And then we see in verse 21, it says here that by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. We see that this is a reference to Genesis chapter 48 from verse 8 to 20. Where we see that here, just as Isaac had done, when Isaac had done, he did so ignorantly. He didn't know that he was blessing Jacob. He thought that he was blessing Esau. So when Isaac did, he did ignorantly, and yet he was sincere in the invocation of the blessings upon these two men. But when Jacob blessed, he did so intentionally. We see that he blesses Ephraim over Manasseh. Manasseh was the firstborn and when he was laying his own on Ephraim, Jacob tried to take off his hand and place it on Manasseh. But Jacob says that I am doing this intentionally. Ephraim there receives the firstborn blessings over Manasseh. And both of them, the Bible says that when they blessed Isaac and Jacob, both of them blessed by faith in God that God will honor their blessings and he will bring those blessings to completion. Interestingly, we don't see Abraham blessing Isaac the way Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau and Jacob blessed Ephraim and Manasseh. And not only those two men, he also blessed all of the other sons also. But the author of Hebrews mentions only the sons of Joseph in this context. But whatever they did, they did by faith. They didn't pronounce merely the blessings upon them. And then we see in verse 22, it is written, By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. We see that explicitly mentioned in Genesis chapter 50 from verse 24. And this is what the scripture records about Joseph, Joseph's uh, uh, final words to his brothers before he was about to die. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that is swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old. They embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now I don't believe that he received any prophetical word here in order for him to make this pronouncement. He was aware of the promise God had made to Abraham. And I believe that all of the sons were aware because God says that your people will be in bondage of a foreign land for about 400 years. And God said that after that I will visit them and bring them to the land which I have promised to you. God had already prophesied this to Abraham. And I believe Isaac knew that. 
and Isaac spoke about that to Jacob and Jacob spoke about that to his sons so when Joseph said here that God will visit you and take you out of this land and bring you to the promised land it is not some special revelation that he had received he already said what God had prophesied to Abraham so we see here that he trusted in the promises of God. Now, this is a great lesson for us, my dear brothers and sisters, is that how Joseph trusted the promise of God to his predecessors. And he knew that God is faithful in fulfilling that promise he had given to them. So there are some promises that God might not have spoken to us directly, but he recorded them in the scripture. But it is as truthful as he would be directly speaking to us and we must be trusting those promises believing that what God had spoken in the past he will bring to completion because God is faithful to his promises amen and we must believe that God is faithful to his promises as Joseph believed and made that pronouncement to to, to his brothers now from verse 23 to 28 i need not speak because last sermon was on the life of moses and uh, do you want me to preach again but i have no patience even if you have to preach again from the life of moses we will skip that because i've already covered and we will be looking into verse 29 29 we see here that by faith after the passover we see the exodus and the Bible tells you that, that by faith, the people cross the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they had attempted to do the same, were drowned. The author is pointing to Exodus chapter 14. He is pointing to the incident that when Pharaoh let the people of Israel go because the firstborn of the Egyptians were dead, he was so angry and he said that you take your people and get lost from my land because you have become a curse upon the land of Egypt. And then Moses and the people of Israel with great joy, they head towards the promised land. And then they come to the river. They couldn't cross through the river because the river was in front of them. Uh, sorry, the sea was in front of them. And then Pharaoh changed his mind. How come I let these people go? Then he chases them with his army. And uh, interestingly, the author here doesn't mention about the initial grumbling of the people of Israel. Did you bring us here to be buried in this in this desert, there were no graveyards in the land of Egypt that you brought us out of the land so that you could kill us here. And Moses was so upset with the grumbling of the people of Israel that he cried out to the Lord. And the Lord tells him, why are you crying out to me? Stretch out your staff and the sea will be divided. I think that's one of the greatest miracles in the history of the world that is the parting of the Red Sea. And when Moses stretched his hand with his staff, the Lord sent a strong and a mighty wind which divided and parted the Red Sea and the waters stand as two walls. And the, not only the waters were divided, the ground became dry. That's another miracle. Because you know that it takes some days, right, to, for the land because the land will be swamped. And it takes time to become dry. Even the Lord immediately made the land dry. And these people walked the entire night. The Bible says that the whole night, the people walked through the Red Sea. And after these people walked through the Red Sea, immediately when the army of the Egyptians started to chase them, and you see their faith also. We should appreciate their faith because they chased them even through the Red Sea. And then the Lord again brought back the waters and the all Egyptian army drowned in the waters what great faith that these people had to walk through the red sea because even as they were walking through the red sea they must be fearing that what if the waters come back again what would happen to us but they had faith in the lord that he will safely bring them out of this red sea you know i remember um 
a story and uh, the lecturer was teaching and he was trying to convince that uh, uh, you know this is not a miracle he want to uh, remove all the miracles of the bible and he was uh, teaching and saying that you know actually people have done some research and they have uh, found out that during the time of uh, the israelites walking through the red sea the waters were only about 10 inches deep only 10 inches deep because of which they could easily walk through the red sea and one of the students he stood up and say hallelujah this is a great miracle and he said what's a great miracle because the whole egyptian army was drowned to death in the 10 inches of water they can't escape the miracle that is mentioned here but god is great and awesome that he does great and mighty wonders and we have to believe it Verse 30 says here that by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for 7 days. If you listen to the instructions the Lord gives, it sounds very weird. It's weird. Honestly, if you were there, you would be wondering, what is this? What is the instructions that the Lord gives in Joshua chapter 6? He says that first of all, you need to march around the city once for 6 days you know it is like you see some uh, you know some of the uh, people going around the temple for couple of days and uh, so many rounds and here the lord speaks to them that you need to walk around the city once every 6 days uh, for for all 6 days and on the 7th day he tells them to march around the city 7 times finally and then he instructs them the priest should blow the trumpet and once the trumpet is blown all the people of israel should make a great shout i don't know how it was when they made great shout when the walls of jericho were about to fall and when they and they trusted they believed Although it didn't make sense to them people I'm telling you there are some things in the bible when you read them it doesn't make sense to your mind we think it is weird but we must believe in the wisdom of god than trust in the wisdom of men we don't know why god said it he said it according to his own good purpose and people obeyed it they marched around the city once every day for 6 days and on the 7th day the master on the city for 7 days and finally the priest blew the trumpet and all the people made a big shout and when they made that big shout the bible says that the strong fortified walls of jericho came down crumbling and became a debris and then the people went and captured the city what a great miracle the lord had done and what great faith they had in god that he is about to do this verse 31 says here by faith rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies we see that in joshua chapter 2 he sends two spies to spy the land and when these men go and spy the land they were caught up in a problem they were about to be killed because the people the kingdom came to know that there were two spies but rahab she was a gentile and a prostitute what kind of an image does a prostitute have but the bible honors her because she by faith protected and hid this men and did not let them to be exposed to the kingdom and she made sure that they secretly escape from the trap and these men were safe and because of her faith and she protected this men the bible says that she was saved from perishing along with the people of jericho when the walls of jericho crumbled down and when the people captured only she and her family were saved you know great is an honor that one of the few women receives such an honor for example if you see in matthew chapter 1 The Bible says that in Matthew chapter 1 regarding the genealogy of the Lord Jesus she is one of the predecessors of the Lord Jesus Christ verse 5 says that and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth 
and Obed, the father of Jesse, and uh, uh, Jesse, the father of David, the king. You see that she was one of the great-grandmothers of David, the king. How the Lord had honored her. Not only that, James also honors her by mentioning in James chapter 2 verse 25. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? Do you see that people? Even God was pleased with the fate of a Gentile and prostitute and honored her. Even if you see the Gospels. Jesus was so impressed with the faith of the pagans because the people of Israel couldn't believe. Is there any man who had great faith like this man, Gentile, Roman centurion? Because he didn't find such faith in the people of Israel. Just see people how much God will honor no matter what the condition of the people. They may, they may, they may be Gentiles and pagans and prostitutes and what their depravity may be. God is pleased to honor them when they trust Him, when they believe in His Word. And sometimes those people believe more in God's Word than people who claim to be the people of God. That's a great caution and warning and encouragement that we have from the Bible. And we see the author goes on explaining verse 32. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon. Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets. He just, uh, he was not concerned about uh, the chronology. He just mentions about these people. Now if you see about these men here, there are three kinds of categories that we see. The first category falls into judges. Because uh, we see Gideon and we see his story mentioned in Judges chapter 6 to 8. His victory over Midianites. And the, and the strange thing that we see about uh, Gideon is that God brought the army with a population of 32,000 to 300 men in order to conquer the Midianite, ar uh, Midianite army. And uh, the Bible says that he could able to do that not because of the strength of the army but because of his strength of faith in whom God is. Gideon, we see in Judges 6 to 8. And then we see Barak. Actually, by the way, the people flattered today, it should be Deborah. Interestingly, we see that the author doesn't mention about Deborah here. Because Deborah was not a military commander. She was a prophetess. And it was Barak who was the military commander. He was, he was a person who fought against the Canaanites. And the Bible says that it is because of his faith that he could kill the army commander with the help of others and he conquered the Canaanites. We see that his story in Judges chapter 4 and 5. And then we also see he mentions about Samson who was another judge who was mighty in his physical body but weak in his sensuality because of which he fall prey to the hands of the enemy but still... The Lord has used him. We see his story recorded in Judges chapter 13 to 16. How the Lord used Samson to destroy Philistines and delivered Israel from the bondage. And then we also see Jephthah who was another uh, judge. And the sad thing about him is he made a vow that whosoever comes out of the house after his victory, he would offer that person or the creature as a sacrifice. He thought about some animal and uh, strangely his own daughter comes out. And that, uh, that is a great caution about don't be hasty in your vows. You should be really careful about that. But still God has used Jephthah to deliver Israel from the bondage of Ammonites. So all these judges we see that they were able to conquer and have victory. The Bible says because of their faiths. Not because of the strength of the horses or chariots or the army. It is because of their faiths. And we see also the Bible mentions about only one king here. And who is that? David, whose um, story we see in 1 Samuel chapter 15 till 2 Samuel chapter 24. Time wouldn't be sufficient to go into this man, but we can see how he had victory after victory. 
how he conquered kingdoms, how he defeated the enemies, how he lived a life of legacy despite his weaknesses, the Bible says that it is because of his faith. And then it also says Samuel and the prophets. Samuel was the first prophet that we see till down through the Malachi. The Bible says that all the prophets that you lived in the Old Testament, they could live their life and prophesy and saw the fulfillment of their prophecies because they trusted, because of their faith in God. And then after mentioning these people, he gives the feats of these people. After mentioning, you know, uh, these men, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, in verse 33, he says, who through faith, who are these people? The previously mentioned men, who through faith, he mentioned about nine feats that these people had done. What are the nine feats? The first thing is, they conquered kingdoms. It alludes to the judges and the kings, how they conquered kingdoms, had victory over the kingdoms by faith. And who enforced justice? How they brought justice to establishment and fulfillment. And this also alludes to the judges and kings that he previously mentions. And also it says that who obtained promises? We see the patriarchs and the Israelites and the men of Israel, how they saw the fulfillment of the promises of God for them at that particular time. The particular promise was to conquer and get the promised land. And they got this because of their faith in the Lord. And then it speaks about they stopped the mouths of lions. Who could this be? Daniel, right? If you know your Bibles, it says that Daniel's deliverance from the mouth of the lions in Daniel chapter 6. Although it doesn't mention, but he mentions in the ambiguous word prophets. Daniel was the one who stopped the mouths of lions by faith. And then it speaks about these men quenched the power of fire. Who do you think these men could be? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. How the Lord delivered them from the Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace and delivered them not to be consumed by fire mentioned in Daniel chapter 3. How could they be able to live this way? The Bible says because of their faith. And then it speaks about escape the edge of the sword. Perhaps it speaks about David because how many times David was about to be killed by Saul and yet he escaped the edge of the sword. The Bible tells because of faith. And then it also mentions about who were made strong out of weaknesses. How did they become strong out of the weakness? This may be an allusion to Samson who became so weak. He was stripped off of his power and strength because he showed off his air. And yet God has restored his strength and he killed more Philistines at the time of his death than he killed when he was alive. How did he become strong? Because of his faith. A lot of us speak about, you know, I am weak. I am not having so much of strength. The Bible tells that you are weak. Not because you are weak. It is because of unbelief. When you have faith, God will turn your weakness into strength. As he made the weakness of these men into strength because of their faith in the Lord God Almighty. So this is an encouragement to us that we can turn strong men by having faith in God. And then it also says who became mighty in war. Again alluding to the judges and kings that he mentions. And they put foreign armies to flight. Allusion again to the judges and kings, how they had victory, how they cast off the armies of the enemies, how they conquered the kingdoms, how they did these great feats, everything because of their faith in God. And after mentioning about these judges and kings and prophets, he now turns to women. In verse 35, we see only one woman mentioned before, that is Sarah. And now he mentions about women received back their dead by resurrection. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And uh, who are the two women who received their sons, their sons back from the dead? Widow of Zarephath, right? 
Whom? Who raised him from the dead? Elijah. And then we see the Shunammite son. And Elisha raises the son from the dead. We find the stories in 1 Kings chapter 17 and also 2 Kings chapter 4. But uh, many Bible scholars are convinced that this doesn't just speak about these two women in the Old Testament in the times of Elijah and Elisha. It could also speaking about some women who faced vehement persecution in the intertestamental period. Now hear this carefully, the gap between the book of Malachi till Matthew was 400 years. It is called the silent period or the intertestamental period. 400 years. They had gone through a rapid change. It is during the time that uh, the Greeks came and conquered and established their kingdom. And after that, after the death of Alexander the Great, the four generals fought among themselves. And uh, among the generals, one person, Seleucid, who was the general of uh, Alexander the Great, and he conquered the Palestine, and under his reign and the successors of him, Israelites suffered like anything. They have gone through a great, great persecution. And there is one story that is mentioned in Maccabees. It is not an inspired book of the Bible, but there is a story which is an historical incident which is interesting for us to know because many Bible scholars feel that this may be a reference to them. Hear this, what has happened here. One famous story of courageous martyrdom involved the death of a mother and her seven sons. It is mentioned in Maccabees. Many scholars feel that the reference to enduring torture in Hebrews 11.35 has this incident in mind. And hear what has happened to these men. All eight, the mother and seven sons, endured barbarous torture because they refused to obey God's law. One moving incident in the story occurred when the pagan king asked the mother to encourage the last of the seven sons to renounce his faith and eat swine's flesh, pig's flesh, which the Jews never ate. And he told them to do that. The mother, who had seen six other sons dying, said to her son, the seventh son, she said to her, so said to him, Fear not this tormentor, but being worthy of thy brethren, Take thy debts, that I may receive thee again in mercy with thy brethren. The son refused to obey the king's command, and the king treated him with greater anger than all the other sons. She said to her son that don't worry about being destroyed and face the barbarous torture and be killed because I'm going to receive you again back from the dead in resurrection. And that is why many Bible scholars believe that this may be a reference to this woman, which is very encouraging for us to know that life is not easy when you stand for the glory of God. It is not easy. And then it says about later, some were tortured, refusing to accept release, which speaks about they refused to compromise with God's law because of that they were tortured so that they might rise again to a better life, which speaks about the eschatological resurrection, the final resurrection that people face because of the loss they face in this world. And again, this speaks about the graphic expression, impression. If you see here, some were tortured, refusing to accept release. If you observe this carefully, it speaks about the brutal suffering and torture these people had gone through because of their faith. So hear this carefully people. When you hear about the Red Sea. And the walls of the Jericho falling down. You must be excited that if you have faith. You will always see great things happening. Sometimes you will see worse things happening in your life. Because of your faith. This is where actually the prosperity people don't preach the truth here. I think they never touch this passage in the Bible. They only speak about the Red Sea. Or the uh, parting of the Jordan River. Or they may be speaking about the walls of Jericho. But it says here that women received back their dead by themselves. By resurrection. Some were tortured. Is it because of unbelief? No. They were tortured because of their faith. Refusing to accept release. So that they might again rise again 
to a better life. Now, one of the persecutions, as I was reading about what kind of torture these people face, is very interesting. Now, here, this girl, I don't know whether if you and I were there, I believe, my dear brothers and sisters, the, comf the, 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 the comfort zone of Christians is such today that if, if, if this kind of persecution comes, I'm sure that many would renounce their faith. Many in our time would say that I don't want Christianity. Who is Christ? I never heard of him. That is what they would be saying. But these people suffered like anything because of their faiths. Now, this is, uh, there, there is a reference about the form of persecution. When it speaks about torture here, one of the things that happened during the intertestament period is also maybe an allusion here. The reference may be to a form of torture in which a person was stretched out on a rack with his hands and legs stretched out, his whole body stretched out. And then his stout stomach, which is the stretched out stomach, was beaten as one beats a drum. They would take the drumsticks, heavy sticks, stretch out the entire body and keep beating on the stomach until they agonize and die in that pain. If they don't renounce their faith. And the Bible says that these people faced all kinds of the struggles and yet they did not give up their faiths. There is a story about the 90-year-old scribe, 90 years, Eliezer, who refused the pretense of renouncing commitment to God so that he might be released from deaths. He willingly chose the rack and endured a brutal beating. When he was about to die under the blows, he groaned aloud and said, It is clear to the Lord in his holy knowledge that Though I might have been released from death, I am enduring terrible sufferings in my body through this beating, but in my soul, I am glad to suffer these things because I fear him. It is gory for me to go through this physical pain, but I am glad that I am suffering for the name of the Lord because I fear him. How many saints do you think who suffer are glad that we are suffering for the Lord. And then we see others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. And one such person we see is Jeremiah. How he was thrown into dungeon in the darkest pit of abyss with no hope because he prophesied judgment upon Israel. He was imprisoned. He was flogged. And, 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 and at time, you know, Jeremiah, he was, he was even put into a pit with no water at all, with no food at all. He was about to die because of his starving. All, why? Why did he suffer like that? He was rejected by people. He was mocked by people, scorned by people, flogged by people, thrown into the pit. People hated him. And he was about to be killed. All because of their faith. So, it's not just to experience miracles that you need faith, people. We need faith to survive suffering also. Without which, we can stand strong. We are so used to the comforts of life today that suffering is a big, big surprise to many of us. But when we read these people, we understand that we are nowhere closer to this suffering that these people have faced. And you know one thing it says here in verse 37, as he explains the suffering of these people because of their faith, he also says that they were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were, their body was cut into two pieces because of their faiths. Many Bible scholars believe this speaks about Isaiah. When you read the book of Isaiah, you don't see, but extra-biblical documents prove that scholars have found a Jewish writing called the Martyrdom and Ascension of Isaiah. And in that, it gives the gory, brutal details of Isaiah's martyrdom. Hear this, what it says. It narrates that Isaiah withdrew from Jerusalem to avoid the wickedness which ran out of control during the reign of Manasseh. The worst wicked king in the history of Israel was Manasseh and he escaped because of the brutal reign of Manasseh. He lived in Bethlehem surrounded by godly prophets until Manasseh's henchmen, his army, people ceased and falsely accused him. 
Manasseh's accusers gave Isaiah a chance to renounce his prophetic warning to the nation. And Isaiah answered, you know what he said? There is nothing further that you can take except the skin of my body. There is nothing you can take except the skin of that body. With that answer, Isaiah's enemies used a wooden saw to cut him in half. Because of those words, the account adds that he did not cry out or weep, but his mouth spoke with the Holy Spirit until he was sawed in two. Wow. What kind of miserable life they faced. And it, and it doesn't stop, it just keeps going, saying that they were killed with the sword. And it speaks about how many uh, were killed by the sword. And one such thing, besides Isaiah, we can remember, are the prophets who were killed by Jezebel. Many prophets were killed by sword because they could not uh, compromise. Matthew 23, 35, Jesus himself says that, Zechariah, the son of Barakiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar... Why didn't God save them? Sometimes God saves people. Sometimes God lets them be brutally tortured and killed. And he honors their faith. Zechariah, Isaiah, Jeremiah. All these people were some among them. And uh, the author continues to say that they went about in skins of sheep and goats. What a great prosperity life they lived, right? They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted mistreated i think he was trying to use every word possible to explain the predicament the plight of the men who suffered and then he says you know there is a beautiful words that he uses here he says that of whom the world was not worthy of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth you know what he says? He says that the world is not worthy to inhabit them. Not worthy at all. Because of the suffering of this people. And he says that how they wandered not only in skins of sheep and goats and destitute, afflicted, mistreated, but also wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. You know, the suffering was so severe during the intertestamental period and even during the prophetical reign that many were running to deserts and mountains and dens and caves in order to escape the suffering that they faced because of their faiths. And you know what he says here in verse 39? As he comes to conclusion, he says here that, And all this, though commended through their faiths, Despite their weaknesses, you need to understand that these men were not perfect. Despite their weaknesses, they were commended because of their faith, did not receive what was promised. They didn't receive what was promised in spite of all the suffering they had gone through. Now, what was the promise that they did not receive? What was the promise that they did not receive. Now you should not confuse this with verse 33 promises. What does verse 33 says? That by faith they obtained promises. If you read the Bible carefully, you will be confused that it says here in 33, by faith they obtained the promises. And again it says here, none of them had received what was promised. Which is very interesting. It, when it speaks about they obtain promises, it speaks about the particular promise, particularly the promised land which they had received. But when you hear it, it speaks about none of them receive what was promised. He is speaking about the ultimate eschatological, final, ultimate, absolute promise that God has given for his people. And that understanding we see in chapter 9, verse 15. Hebrews Chapter 9, verse 15. We see here that, Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant. Christ, deaths, and resurrection. Which speaks about, he is the mediator of the new covenant. Which is that, you have received this promise only because of what Christ has done on the cross. 
because of his death and resurrection because of his atonement of the cross this promise has been received how so that it says that in 915 therefore he is a mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance so what is the promise that they did not receive the promised eternal inheritance that god had given to his people and this is a grand promise ultimate promise you know we see that people cling to a lot of promises actually in fact january 1st is a great joy for many people to cling to promises and they pick up the cards thinking about what promise i am telling you my dear brothers and sisters there is no promise that come as closer to this promise that we see in hebrews 9:15 the promise of eternal inheritance that's the greatest promise that god had given and here the author is not mentioning for the first time when he is speaking about these people did not receive what was promised we see that the same thing is mentioned in verse 13 in hebrews chapter 11 when he was expounding about the heroes of faith in verse 13 he says that these all died in faith not having received the things promised do you see that here he even mentions before also that these people have not received the things promised but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland for if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out they would have had opportunity to return but as it is they desire a better country that is a heavenly one Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. Now what is he speaking about? He is speaking about that none of them received what was promised and that is the promise of eternal inheritance. Now the author gives why is it they didn't receive the promise? Why didn't they receive the promise? You know why? It says in verse 40 It says that since God had provided something better for us it is for our sake that they did not receive he says now you need to put your brain very your your intellect very strongly on this text that God had not given them and fulfilled the eternal promise because he planned something better for us what is better for us he says that that apart from us they should not be made perfect which is apart from us they would not enter into this eternal inheritance what this says is that god had planned that both the old covenant people and the new covenant people together would do the inauguration of the new covenant of the new creation you know this is a new covenant or we can say that the new creation housewarming in the new creation house warming he says that both the old covenant and the new covenant i don't know about you people but when i go there and when i see there i would be thinking about hey, where is abraham actually i wanted to go and meet him hey abraham i'm steven david nice to meet you i read about you do you know that i also gave an expository sermon about you to the church are you moses you joshua you david you paul you peter so excited to see all these great stalwarts and not only this we would be seeing john wesley jonathan edwards and piper and ramesh and leela all these kinds of women and men both the old covenant and the new covenant so that together they would become perfect that's perfection speaks about the final glorification the final entrance into the new creation my question is brothers and sisters are you sure you will be there are you sure you will be there if you had not genuinely i say genuinely because there are people who fakely believe but there is no evidence of salvation i tell you that if you are such a person i call upon you this morning to repent and believe in the gospel of the lord jesus because apart from christ you would never be in this new creation it is only through christ as you repent and believe 
in the gospel of the Lord Jesus that you would experience this. Today is the time of your salvation if you had not put your faith. And these are the final concluding words that I would like to bring from these heroes of faith. These heroes of faith, the final concluding because we are not here just to be entertained about how they suffered, how they prospered. We are here to learn and emulate their faith. The first thing that we learn from these people is this. You know what is that? These men suffered. These women suffered. They were men of weaknesses and also they were women of suffering. Life was not easy for them. People, you need to understand that a life of faith is not a life of comfort. A life of faith is not a life of prosperity. It is a life of adversity. And you see that these all men had different sufferings. All of them did not have the same suffering. The suffering that Abraham had gone through, Moses had not gone through. The suffering that Moses had gone through, Paul had not gone through. The suffering that Jeremiah had gone through, Isaiah had not gone through. The suffering that Shidrach, Mezek, and Abednego has gone through, Daniel had not gone through. All these men suffered differently. But pain is the fact of all these people. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, you need to understand that Christian life is a life of suffering. Are you understanding? Life of faith is a life of suffering. Don't expect that all things will go well in your life. If all things are going well in your life, you should be thinking about whether you are living a Christian life. Because such a life is not promised in the word of God. There is suffering, there are afflictions, and the life that is there is challenging. Jesus himself said that narrow is the road that leads to life. And when Paul and Barnabas gave the follow-up to the new born-again disciples in Acts chapter 14, you know what they said? It is through many tribulations you enter the kingdom of God. Many sufferings that you enter the kingdom of God. One of the very reasons why the epistles were written is to comfort the afflicted Christians. I'm telling you, my dear brothers and sisters, if you are not suffering, we should really question our faiths. Whether we are truly following Christ. Because the Bible says that he who lives a godly life will be persecuted. You will be suffering. You will face hard life. But you know what is the second thing that we learn from these men as we go through? These men had great faith in God in their suffering. That is the biggest problem in many saints today. That when they go through suffering, instead of going to God, trusting in God, that he is the ruler of all things, that he is in control of all things, and he is working all things for my good, and he will never leave me nor forsake me, he can do all things according to his good purpose, rather than trusting in him. They look to themselves, and they run on their feet here and there, they live a life of anxiety and discouragement, and they never grow and bear fruit for the glory of God. If you see any significance about these men and women, the author says only one thing. He didn't say that by this or that they did this or by this or that they did this. He says only one thing right from Hebrews chapter 1 till the end. He says by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. It is not because of their own strength and knowledge and abilities. It is because of their faith in God. My dear brothers and sisters, I would like to tell you, you have no idea how you can soar like eagles amidst the challenges of life if you and I have great faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The problem is not with circumstances. The problem is not with the problem itself. The problem is with our faiths. Do we believe in God? But you know another thing that we see here? When we look about this man, we see that faith takes risks. Faith faces challenges. It, it says that by faith, they went around the city of Jericho and they collapsed the wall. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea. By faith, they shut down the mouths of lions. By faith, they embraced death. They embraced afflictions. By faith, what does it mean? Faith is not passive. Faith is not without works. Faith doesn't mean that you have no efforts at all. Faith takes risks. Faith takes challenges. Faith takes great efforts. 
And if that is not there, Bible says very clearly that faith without works is dead. My dear brothers and sisters, are we willing to take great risk in our lives by having faith in God and move ahead in Christian living in spite of all the afflictions we face in life? We face in life. I'm telling you that some of you may be going through hardships. Maybe more hardships may come. And I want to encourage you this morning. Please learn and pray and steady and grow in our faith. So that we can excel in the Christian living. And finally, we see that these men lived as strangers and exiles on the earth. Their eyes was focused on a better country. Their eyes were looking forward to the heavenly city. They were longing for eternal inheritance. The Bible says that they did not receive any of the promise. They were looking forward for a better country, which is the heavenly city. This is one of the great marks of faith. A Christian who lives a life of faith, their hearts are not settled in this world. Their hearts are not set upon this earth. Their hearts long for the eternal kingdom. Lord, when are you coming soon? Lord, when am I coming home? Lord, when are you going to deliver me from this cursed creation? When am I going to behold your glory face to face? That is the longing that they would be having as they live a life of faith in this fallen world. My dear brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, your life and my life will be miserable if our eyes are stamped with earthly perspective. But if our eyes are stamped with eternal perspective, no matter how much mountains will rise in your face, no matter how much troubles may try to suppress your life, you will soar like eagles and grow towards maturity and live a life of legacy and impact so many lives. Only because of your great gigantic faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And apart from faith, you will not go anywhere in your Christian living. So at this time, let us rise on our feet. Rise on our feet and pray together and examine our lives. Do I accept the fact that life is suffering? Do I accept it? Many people don't want to accept it. And if you don't want to accept it, you are living a life of fantasy. Accept it that life is suffering. I have to suffer. Whether you desire it or not, life is hard in this world. And we have to trust in God to take us through this suffering. We have to take great risk, great efforts to pass through this suffering. We have to focus on eternity as we live in this world. And we have this growth hope because our Lord Jesus had died for our sins and rose from the dead and went to heaven and is waiting for us so that we can come home. And until then, he has taught us to fight a good fight of faith as we live in this world. So my dear brothers and sisters, don't be discouraged. Don't be pulled down by the circumstances around you. Don't let the anxieties of this life weigh you down and crush you to debris. Rise up. Don't let this anxiety, don't let discouragement, don't let the problems in your life, don't let the rejection of the people crush you. God will bring beauty of ashes if there is faith. Heavenly Father, we stand before you and we thank you Lord for this great men and women. They were great not because of something within them. They were only great because their faith was great in the great God. And Lord, we, can, we cannot believe what you can do through men and women who believe in you. It doesn't mean all things will go well. Even in the things that are unwell, you will lead us through and you will give us victory. Some of us may have to die because of our faith. Some of, us too, some of us may prosper because of our faith. Life is different to different people. Each one should be faithful in the calling God has called us. And be diligent and fruitful in the life that we have in Christ. 
Heavenly Father, pray that if there is any who is unsaved here, who are living an earthly life and being a nominal Christian, pray that you bring them to the cross this morning. Open their eyes so that they would realize their sin and their desperate need for Christ and throw themselves in the arms of the everlasting Father and cry out to you for their salvation and cleanse their sins by the blood of Christ. And all those who are saved, O Lord, pray that you revive our faiths. Revive our faith, O Lord, this morning. Help us to grow stronger in our faiths. Help us to be mighty in our faiths. Help us not to turn back, look down, look within, look around, but look only to the Almighty God who is the maker of the heavens and the earths. For apart from you, we are nothing and can do nothing and we can go nowhere, O Lord. Depression is not the answer. Discouragement is not the answer. Suicide is not the answer. Escape is not the answer. Even deliverance is not the answer. The answer is, do we believe in the greatness of the living God? That he is able to accomplish his will. That he is able to do all things for our good and for your glory. Pray Lord help us to grow in our faith. And not let anything to impede our growth and progress and maturity and fruitful Christian living. But help us to rise above the mountainous afflictions and soar like eagles. Because of our hope in the maker of the heavens and the earth. We thank you Lord. For all these heroes of faith that we have listened to, help us to imitate them. Help us to be men and women of faith. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the message. We believe you have been greatly encouraged in your heart. Stephen David also writes articles that are relevant to today's generation. You may read them on his blog www.messageforourage.blogspot.com I repeat www.messageforourage.blogspot.com you may also email him at cstephendavid at gmail.com. I repeat, c-s-t-e-p-h-e-n-d-a-v-i-d at g-m-a-i-l dot c-o-m. Grace and peace be to you.